On this all-new episode of Discologist, we're kicking off Season 11 by digging yet again into the enigma that is Sonny Stitt. Plus, we're spinning some music we love from Rich Ruth, Psalm 1, and much, much more. So make sure your headphones are strapped on tight because break time is over. It's time to get on with the show. We don't know. Our, our adoring fans. Uh, okay. Good to be back. You know, when, you, back. when you go you. away, your audience triples. That's what happened. Yep, that That's what, what happened. happened. Our, legend, so, our legend grew. Yeah. So it's nice to be here at the Kennedy Center. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice, nice big audience. Um no, uh, break was nice. How about you? <laughs> it's good to see you. Yeah, but, for, we, but first of all, but break was nice. It it kind of was. It's been a really lovely summer. Yeah. Um, Why did we never do yeah. that before? Like we just powered um, through these shows, but we never said, you know what? Let's just take like a month and a half off. Yeah, break was like from December nineteenth till January third in the old days. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, this was nice. This was nice. Um, I can't remember Agreed. even like if I have I seen you. No, I haven't seen you in person because we did one. We thing. saw each other before the end of the before season. the end of everything. <laughs> before yeah, or the beginning oh, or the beginning. Oh, okay, can be. okay, yeah. Um. But yeah, I um I had a lot of travel. I got I got, you know I I was out near you. I was in Minneapolis. I was in Atlantic City. I was in Boston. These uh, were all fish in Chicago right? this yeah, summer. Yeah. Um, not all of them. Not all um, of them. Um, some of them. Yeah. What if I told I have, you? What if I, I told have. you the fish was sponsoring us now? Would that be okay? <laughs> They're not. Um, that would be that would be uh, I would um. I'm having nitrous flashbacks and I'm, I guess I don't like it. So. <laughs> That's my next album. It's just like recording a field recording of you taking nitrous hits <laughs> and I'll put a little ambient noise in there. Um, no, this was, this was actually really good. Uh, and it, uh, I don't know about for you, it went some really weird directions. I, I just got back from the Northwoods um, in Wisconsin, which is just the middle of nowhere. And for the first time in mm, at least four years, had no cell service, and it yeah. was fan fucking tastic. Um, but yeah. it also, you know, when you have no cell service, you have to download stuff to your phone. Um, so I I got to know Badfinger really well, <laughs> and uh, I was gonna have us talk about that uh, for this uh-huh. this first episode back the season premiere, um, but I think that's best reserved for like people can just come up to me. You know, in person, and ask me about Badfinger. We don't need to keep putting that, that works. on the internet. But uh, you know, as as is custom, we're going to be talking about Mr. Sonny Stitt. Uh, every season premiere has to be Sonny Stitt. Uh, but no, uh, um, a really weird thing happened to me over this break, and I don't. I, I want to get your take on it. I don't know quite how. I still don't know how to deal with this. Um, we spent. 
mocking is not the right word because Dogs is a fantastic band. Like they're fantastic musicians, <laughs> right? I right, know right. Where this but is and, going. but, but yeah. we have on record on air. We have a good bit of jokes uh, have been made at Dawes's expense, um, even recently. So, imagine my surprise yeah. when they they put out an album over over this break, and I just randomly like I do diligence. You know, it, it comes out on a Friday, and you're just scanning through the new releases and I was listening to the first song and I said this is pretty sick and I forgot who it was <laughs> and then I was like oh fuck it's like well this can't this can't be th- this can't be repeated it's just a one-off it's a, they have a lot of good songs you know yeah peppered they here. do they do yeah peppered here, yeah. here and, uh, throughout the albums and then it hit the next song it was great the next song was great Turns out that their new album is one of my favorite albums of the year. But the the weirdness doesn't stop there. I am on record as not liking the Mountain Goats. I, I mean, yeah. and this is not an uncommon thing. Like, Mountain Goats are, you know, sort of... They're, they're for the people that they're for. Yes. Right? And if they're not for you, then they just leave you cold. Yes. And and John Darnell is, is a fantastic writer. Like, there's no... You know, we're not... This is not... Um, you know, this is just this is actually me talking subjectively about something. Like it just doesn't. I, I didn't like it. So after the dolls, <laughs> I said, <laughs> "Well, Mountain Goats has a new album out. I might as well try that." And can you guess what happened? <laughs> um, I I know what happened because I got some texts about it. Yeah. <laughs> confused, confused, but very positive texts. Yeah, yeah. So so, yeah. it's like something. And I, I don't know if it's because I just turned 50 or I don't know if it feels like the end of the world. I just don't know what the fuck is going on because these bands that I have just historically not liked have put out two of my favorite releases of this year. So it had me thinking about why we like the type of music that we like and, and why and how we identify with that. Um, and... Uh, it's it's kind of for a lot of people it's easy to hide from the like, you know the the guilty pleasure thing is what people call it even though there's no yeah, there's no yeah. such thing as guilty pleasure but for, uh, we have a show I have a show I, I can't hide from this like it, it, people are gonna yeah, be like yeah. I saw you're listening to Dawes so, <laughs> so uh, what do you think happened here and and is it a matter of like putting down I should I should also mention like I may have been dabbling in some psychedelics recently, so <laughs> yeah. Neither here nor so, there. So, so the yeah, the doors of perception were well. You, you know, you know. I think I think so. First of all, I think the Dawes album is is a really interesting, ambitious yeah. record, um, and I'm excited to spend more time with it. Um, and I think somewhat. I think even Vinyl Me Please is doing like a very nice uh, pressing of it. Oh wow! Um, okay. The and I have the new Mountain Goats, um, but it's still shrink wrapped. I haven't opened it yet because um, I still have a I have a lot of vinyl to catch up on. But um, I think probably, you know, there's something to be said for music finding you at the right time, mm. and there's also something to be said for um, you know the way things line up. So so some some artists don't change, and what happens is you change, and eventually you sort of you know, recognize or connect with what they're doing. Right. Other artists give you a bunch of different looks 
And it's just a matter of, are they going to be in the same phase that you're in when you need that, that to happen to you? Um, broadly speaking, though, I think part of the reason we're talking about STIT today is because we're often talking about kind of process here and, and how you mm-hmm. come to like and respond to the things that you like. And part of the, you know, some people might think it's sort of, I was, I was explaining to, to a few folks over the last few weeks why we're talking about Sonny Stitt. And they were like, oh, is he a big jazz guy? And I was like, no, he's not really well regarded by, by a lot of jazz folks. He's, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, you know, few people would list a Sonny Stitt record on their list of like the 25 jazz records you should own or whatever. Yep. Um, but there is something to be said for liking what you like. And I think, you know, I, I, you know, so, so, so there's how I explain Stitt to people, which is to say, look, he had a really impressive technique. He worked really hard, dude, you know, famously, it seems, did not say no to a session. If you look at his discography, yeah, like over 100 albums. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. And, if and you we'll go through any yeah, used. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, you know, Stitt, Alcone, there's a few folks that you see in a lot of used jazz record crates. Um, but that being said, you know, that that um, that Mr. Bojangles album, when that when that hit me, it really, really connected. There was an album of his before that called 12 that I really liked. Yeah. I have three or four of his things on vinyl. And then when I was out visiting you, you threw on the album that we're talking about today, which I hadn't listened to because, again, Sonny Stitt has a lot of records. And and it turns out that it's a great record, not surprisingly. And, right. And, and so part of I, and, and to that point is like this is something where, uh, yeah, you will get looks like at, at uh, Bullseye Records here in Milwaukee. The guy just keeps getting Sonny Stitt records. I don't know where they're coming from. <laughs> But there's like hundreds <laughs> of records, so like this is this is a never-ending yeah. like cache of records that I that I'm gonna have access to, and you know it's it is once you get that like start mainlining that stuff, it just seems like you, you know for me I like it for a different reason than just like oh this is what I consider like high art or anything. But back back to yeah. the Dawes and Mountain Goats, you know uh, first of all the, the Dawes album is. People are making the joke that they're jam band now. Um, I wish jam bands yeah. were this good, <laughs> but they def- most of them do not write songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. But 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 yeah. but they're they, but they're definitely like pulling from that like tradition um, and those sounds and stuff. Uh, there's if you, if you told me that Dawes was going to make a companion piece to Shakedown Street, like, it just would have I it would have been what the fuck are you talking about? I know they're from California, but what the fuck are you talking about? Or yeah. the Mountain Goats would make. The whole album is based on um, he sat and, and watched 80s movies, action movies, uh, over the pandemic, and then wrote songs as if, like, they were they were not to the movies. They were, like, fake movies that were similar because you had, like, you had, like, 30 Van Damme movies and then 100 knockoffs of Van Damme. So he was writing for some of these songs that are, like, in the knockoff zone. For the... For the movie that was biting off of Bloodsport, but was not Bloodsport. Right. And I still have my like yeah. criticisms of the Mountain Goats, but like that concept for some reason just like got in my head and I was like, I, I accept this. Um, and and it felt weird at first. And Darius certainly mocked me uh, a little <laughs> bit, but it, it is very much, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. And the way people identify with what they consume, their art, uh, you know, if you're a foodie, you say that and stuff just isn't. It, it doesn't have to be who you are and it doesn't it doesn't have to be like that stringent. Right. Um, so I think that's part of, you know, it, to the extent that this show and that our conversations have an ethos, a big part of mm-hmm. it is just 
essentially, you know, like the shit that you like, embrace it, like it wholly. Um, and, and hold that separate from the question of like, is it quote unquote good? Is it quote unquote right. important? Right. The most, the most important thing is, is how you respond to it. And the, you know, the sort of external factors of where it belongs in culture, does it have a moment, all those other things. That's just, that's spiritual sport. No one's going to remember that in a year, but you will yeah. remember the way that album made you feel the first time you heard it. You'll remember that forever. And that's like, that's the spark that keeps us coming back. Right. That's the thing that animates us to, yeah. uh, to want to do this show, to want to, to want to go out to see shows, to want to make music. Um, the, both of the, both of these are like, are like finding uh, third stage all over again. <laughs> you know, you know, wow, it's, that's, that's very high praise. It's like, I can't explain to anybody and I dedicate a lot of time trying, uh, what about that album just draws me to it and why I think it's a perfect album. But I also would not, I would, I wouldn't dare to like try to like, like teach that album as a, an objectively piece, a pinnacle of art, a pinnacle of music. You know, it just is what it is, and it either resonates with you or not. And th and that that has begun. I think that's kind of what happened over the break for me is that's begun to take more importance in my habits and like what I engage with. Yeah, I, I you know I firmly believe that once you love a work of art. Mm. Um, and I happen to see this, you know, and feel this especially with music because that's sort of my primary, you know, the primary art that I consume. But in general, if you if you love a piece of art, it becomes it becomes a part of you. Yeah. It becomes and 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 I mean that not only that it's inside of you, but also that you own a part of it. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the 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 relationship that you have with Boston, the relationship that I have with the movie RoboCop, those are things that like no one else can 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 lay claim to. They belong only to us. They're exclusive to us. It right. sort of has to do with our DNA or our biological programming or whatever happened that those things came in. But but now without a doubt, people who know you know that if Boston is being discussed that <laughs> oh, Kevin has Kevin has a seat at the table, right? Yeah. If 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 I'm in a room and RoboCop comes up, yeah. someone will without a doubt call me over to say Eduardo belongs in this conversation, right? So there's yeah. this really interesting way in which um you know, falling in love with those things helps you become you. Is that yeah. too, is that too dumb? Well, yeah. it's it's not. No, that makes perfect sense. I mean, but you're in your you know mid forties. I'm fifty. So I mean, I would have thought that I, I became me <laughs> yeah, fair, a little fair. while ago, at least a couple of years ago. But um, well, you know, I, I think it is uh, to that point. I think remembering that stuff stuff can just be important to you, and I know we like to gravitate towards people who like 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 things but but like somebody liking robocop in wisconsin is different from you liking robocop where you are right yeah and you could be like yeah let's get together and hang out and find out like each of you thinks the other's an asshole you know and, and it's just um the it, yeah it it like instead of like having these external things like just basically like figure out what's important to you that's not art is what i'm saying yeah um no i like that i think the art is not it's the portal uh it through can which be, but it doesn't get, have to be. yeah like, right, I, right, right, like right. I, I mean look i love the dead we've, we've done an entire show on the dead you know 
yeah. dead to me. Uh, I, I don't feel a kinship with most deadheads. Yeah. Most of them yeah. scare the fuck out of me, honestly. <laughs> you know, and it's because we like we and but I don't I don't look down on like we like them differently. Yeah. And and that has started to become fascinating to me. Uh, I want to find the people who love Dawes but hate this album. Yeah, because they undoubtedly exist. There is someone out there mm-hmm. who thinks Dawes is getting far from what they're supposed to be with this album. This is yeah. too far afield, and I want the Dawes that I that I know. And that 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 fan's not wrong either. Mm-hmm. They're you know they're they're um, you know the world is big enough to like to be able to um, uh, to accommodate those two competing worldviews, even if they are sort of mutually exclusive in terms of what they hold to be true. Yeah. Um, I think I think the point of this whole exercise is that we're sharing we're sharing space with people who may like the things that we like for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. They may hate the things that we love, even though they're very similar to us. Um, you know, not to put anyone on blast, but you live with someone who really likes the way John Mayer sings Sugary. <laughs> and, and for some of us, that's a little bit of a struggle. <laughs> yeah. And some people would get like really like angry about that. Yeah. They're, oh, they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't possibly can't love the dead. And like, yeah, she just she loves yeah, the dead. Yeah. And, go and, go on Twitter and say something nice about Dead and Co. and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Look, we can be held liable for the things we say. But yeah, yeah, and and to the point of like what we do on this show, uh, and and this is kind of why I brought this up because we like to sort of reaffirm our mission at start of every season. You know, there's. This is another thing that happened um, over break is I never pay attention to music journalism and I started to. Mm. And I was immediately sorry that I did. Um, I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't I don't know what it is, but I very with very few exceptions. I just don't have room for your story in in something uh, about a piece of work somebody else created. You know? Yeah, I think. And, and we do it too. I mean, I'm not, we, we, we aren't, yeah. it's, it's really hard to, you know, we're a little more casual about it, but like it, you know, I, I'm not going to name the podcast, but uh, there, I found out about something on um, Spotify that has a podcast. Yeah. And the, the, it's, it, it's about like, Cult and misunderstood bands, except every band they cover, like they cover fucking U2. Oh, yeah. A little, little, um, you know, underground right. thing that, yeah, that no one really. Which is just to say, with. like, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, like, there's no music writing jobs. And often the answer is that, well, there's, there's lots of reasons for that. One of the reasons is, like, if you came up, thinking that writing a listicle is music journalism, then you're not going to have a job. Like that's, that's not music journalism, but like, I, I feel like we're, we're treading water right now and we can't be all the time. The entire conversation of music journalism, journalism be about like every year, let's go back and why do people like Steely Dan? You know what yeah, I mean? Right. It's, it's, you know, I think, I think, in terms of the utility of of music journalism, mm. I think for a lot of people, it it was kind of a parasocial relationship, yeah. And it was someone that would recommend new music to them, which is actually something that you know that was a that was a good piece of writing that came out. Mm-hmm. I think this summer was a sort of question of 
you know, people who sort of give up on the idea of keeping up with music as an important oh, yeah. foundational yeah, value. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I think for a lot of people, that was the main function that a, a, a well-known music journalist was to sort of, you know, tell you what to listen to. But the algorithm is doing that for most people now. And, and I think the reality is that it turns out that, you know, while you or I might appreciate a beautifully written paragraph about an important record, right. most people don't. Most people are there just to sort of find out who is the artist, is it good or not, and should I listen to it? Um, and so there's, you know, I think, I think part of what's happening too is that, um, I think about someone like Marcus Moore, who is yeah. a fantastic writer and, um, who's, you know, who I think, you know, a lot of his, his, um, a lot of the work that he does that pays is not the writing that he's the most passionate about. Um, oh, yeah. he does yeah. exquisite writing in his newsletter, yeah. um, and which, you know, everyone should subscribe to. Um, and, and everything he writes is fantastic, but. I think there's I think I think there's a clear understanding there that that the the fire in him that makes him want to speak and write beautifully about music or artists is not necessarily what the market what the market wants or needs. And that's fine. You know, and, yeah. I, you know, the, because the challenge is how do you figure out how to do the thing you love and still put food on the table and have a roof over your head? And he's one of the few that figured out how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the answer is and then this can go for. You know, this you can say this for bands too, because one thing about that article, I'll, I'll find the link and put it in the show notes because uh, it was a great article. Um, you know, is connecting the dots to where if nobody is becoming new music fans, then then you have part of your explanation as to why all these bands can't succeed. Yeah, and that's not a judgment on any band out there. It's just simply a matter of numbers. And that's sad and unfortunate, but, uh, you know, I've also said a lot, let's get back into regional scenes. And, and, yeah. and, I, do, uh, and I, I do not mean like the guy who plays the bar every week, you know, or all, every day on the weekend for uh, cover bands or whatever, uh, which, by the way, that's being a professional musician. Like, yeah, that, is, that's actually is, a absolutely. good job. If, you, if you're a musician, don't yeah. put yourself above that. That pays yeah, better yeah. than any gig you're going to get traveling like three states away from home. Like just full stop. If people don't yep. know you. So, but, um, but yeah, you know, connecting those dots and seeing like where we are with things and, and why uh, some of this stuff doesn't resonate and some of it's hard to write about. It's hard to write about something that is meaningless. Yeah. Or, I think there's, I, I think I, I want to take not meaningless, weightless. Yeah, so um, th uh, this is maybe a cruel segue, but I was um, I saw the other day on social media someone was posting pictures of a Jason Isbell show in Connecticut, maybe oh, yeah, yeah. like one of those sort of you know smaller summer sheds, maybe a seven thousand person venue or something, and it looked like there were maybe seven hundred people there. Um, it looked absolutely empty. Hmm. Um, you know half an hour into the opening bands set. Um, I don't know. I don't know if, if the market's a little oversaturated. I don't know if some artists are just sort of thinking that they can, you know, that they can keep touring a certain way forever and ever. Right. I saw a bunch of fish shows and I think if you talk to most people who, who like and follow fish, they're just, they just feel very lucky and very happy to be able to go see this band right now. Yeah. And they think, this is great. Fishes, they know exactly who they are. You're not going to go see them and they're going to do something you've never seen before or whatever. They're just going to be the best fish that they can be. And they're doing that. And it's great. And there's a grace in that. 
Um, but it's not easy to get to that, that, you know, to have that degree of, of fan loyalty. It's almost impossible. Yeah. And so someone like, a, you know, uh, and I think you and I have talked about this before, you know, Jason, Jason Isbell shows are not, you know, there's, he's got two or three flex slots in a playlist, um, night to night. I don't think the show is particularly different or particularly attuned to the environment that they're in. Um, and I, I certainly would never like collect live recordings of Jason Isbell. Right. Um, and so the idea of going to see him four times a year doesn't, doesn't quite make sense for me. And I can suddenly see why someone who's touring as much as he is might be having a hard time filling arenas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the audiences waxes and wanes, man. You know, you, you just don't, yeah. you, you, Roxy. Roxy music is playing the basketball arena here, which I cannot believe for the life of me. What? Man. Yeah. Roxy music. They're playing like where the Wizards, like ca- Capital One Arena or whatever that thing is called. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's maximum. Okay. We're, we're getting way way deep into the, like these conversations that we generally have off mic. Um, so yeah, so know, apologies to our listeners, <laughs> yeah. unless you're into this. Sorry, and then uh, the tip yeah. cards at the top of the Twitter account. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, all these things. And then um, last bit of like sort of out in the world thing. Um, you know, Win Butler with the Arcade Fire. Yeah, and Feist just left the tour today. Uh, and, and the a, arcade a, fire, a plus on that on that statement. Arcade I fire she, goes on, uh, keeps yeah. going on tour, and uh, I, I said this on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't know Win Butler. I don't know. No, I do know somebody, Butler, but uh, I I don't know Win Butler. Um, I don't know what kind of person he is. I don't know anybody in his family or anything. So understanding that people are human and people do fuck up. Like when you fuck up like this, that's not a fuck up. And and I think we need to start like Ryan Adams is is back out on tour, basically did the exact same thing, and Pap's group here is is proud to support him. Um, and that keeps me from going to a lot of Pap's group shows because what that says to me, and fairly or not, is that somebody who made that decision didn't see a problem with Ryan Adams' behavior. Yeah. Or the yeah, money I think is that's worth the only more. thing you can conclude. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how you handle that, but well, I know how I handle it, but everybody does it differently and you shouldn't judge people for, you know, if they're, if they are going to go see Arcade Fire, except for this, uh, you know, it can't change. Like, I love funeral. I love funeral for through suburbs. I had very like intimate personal experiences with myself, like with those albums, listening to them. Over the years, uh, nothing can change that much. Like, you know, I still listen to Heartbreaker or Cold Roses. Nothing can change that. Um, yeah. But going forward, you do have a choice. And there is so much to choose from. You just don't have to go back to that well. And, and you shouldn't. And if you do, like, you are kind of endorsing that behavior. I'm, so, I'm sorry if that doesn't feel good, but that's that's what you're doing. And, and and I feel like I'm giving a lecture now, but like this was something that I just I, I see it in in people. And, and I'm not saying this to be some like feminist dude or whatever. Like I just legit don't understand this behavior and it breaks my fucking brain how and why this happens. And um, so, so I, I don't have a solution is what I'm saying. Like I, I can't 
Yeah. The only thing I can say is like, you shouldn't be out there shouting like, "I'll I'll burn his records or whatever." But but that, don't buy the next record. Don't pay. Don't go see him on tour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think too. You know. You know. The other. I think the other. The other piece here is that usually, you know, the 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 people who get quote unquote canceled, um, uh, or who sort of you know uh, earn the earn, earn the ire of the Twitter mob, um, a big part of what feeds that is the uh, the like offenders' inability to acknowledge wrongdoing, to speak openly, honestly, and candidly about it. Um, and to and to sort of provide an accounting of that. And I think that's one of those things where you can say um, someone might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a professional and I'm working on these personal issues or whatever. But but with art, it's you know, those things are totally commingled. And so I think, you know, Feist providing that thoughtful blow by blow of her thought process and essentially throwing up her hands and saying, you know, I'm not the one, I can't be the one, I'm not the judge, jury, and executioner. I don't think if I continued, I'm endorsing this, but I know that I can't continue. And I know that this is the decision that's right for me. And I think you read that and you think there's, you know, whatever you think Feist should have done, um, you can't you can't disagree with the authenticity and the honesty of what she presented. And I think what, what Ryan Adams and what Wynn Butler and others have in common is this sense of just like, oh, no, 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 that was in the past and it's all been it's all been sorted out. So yeah. you guys don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And right. uh, here's, a, here's a little inside baseball. If if you if you hire a crisis PR management firm to handle it, yeah. like y- yeah. you don't feel sorry about it. You, you don't yeah. you don't care about it. I mean, that that's what that signals. And um yeah, so you know, you, you'll never hear us cover Arcade. We weren't going to do it anyways. You'll never hear us cover Arcade Fire, Ryan Adams again. You know, there's there's a list of artists uh, like that. I mean, we we get people off our show for acting not even that bad. Yeah. You know, um, it's just not a just be better, man. Like we all just went through some shit, and then there's like a war. There's like it's fucking like just. Be fucking better. Yeah. You don't. You don't have an excuse to be shitty to somebody. Yeah. Like ever. Yeah. At any rate, it's not what the world needs. Yeah. So let's talk about some music. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I can go first because I um, I want to. I I think this will sort of change the mood a little bit. Okay. Um, because it'll help us get into a positive space here. Oh, yeah. Um. The track that I have for us today comes from forthcoming album Big Perm, which I think comes out. Uh, it's not forthcoming by the time you all hear this. It will have it will have Big uh, Worm been released. Uh, Big Perm, <laughs> Big Worm, like a hairdo, <laughs> <laughs> not Big Worm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it, it it came out on September second, um, and uh, this was one of those things that was uh, that was pitched to us, and I had I had listened to it a couple times and thought it was really interesting, um, and uh, you know one of the one of the early singles that I thought was really really effective is this song called Basement Check featuring uh, Metasota, um, and the the artist is Psalm One. Um, and I have to admit, this is this is she's someone I was not entirely familiar with, um, but I thought it was appropriate because this summer I, I was in Chicago, I was in Milwaukee, I was in 
Twin Cities. So I feel like I've done kind of all the, you know, cool upper Midwest cities, yeah. uh, maybe with the exception of Detroit. Um, and um, and anyway, I thought this was this was one of those records that Milwaukee was just, best, though, you know, right? it what's that? Milwaukee was best, though, right? Milwaukee is fucking rad. Yeah, okay. just, just anyone listening clear. to this does not know that Milwaukee is rad. Yep. Uh, please, please do know this. Um, so, so Psalm one has had, has had a, a, you know, a pretty, um, uh, a lengthy and kind of active career. She's done a lot of work with, um, with, uh, sort of, uh, hip hop education kids. She's, oh, wow. you know, really consistently called on artists to do better, to be better and to write music that helps people be better and not just sort of get off on that vibe of, um, you know, I'm rich and I have a crazy lifestyle and, uh, right. Sort of like soulless bling rap. Um, and there's positivity. There's sort of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like self-reliance and strength to be gained, uh, from her music I'm finding. And so this is basement featuring Minnesota basement check. Sorry. Oh, that anxiety. I'm a beast. I'm a slut. I came so far with this brain. Pop my shit, but I know when to shut up. You can do anything you wanna do, but not in that super corny kind of way. Niggas gonna do what they want anyway. And it's funny how they really fuck up your day. Who is they? They don't sway shit, make them lay down. You got bigger bullies on this playground. All that bitter chitter chatter you learn. Don't let iffy data stick around. You want evolution? Please stick around. I can't let that goofy shit get me down. Bitch, I always focused on the mission, but I always get myself the business. You ain't in love with yourself. Ain't even trying to grow. You ain't forgiving the past. Then I should really get old. Better to work on your own. Cause you the shit and you know it. You ain't the shit, keep going. You can learn all the young shit. I know the thoughts keep coming. Sometimes that shit really hit bad. I get that petty depression. Like, how could I really get this sad? Battling demons. You gotta accept them. They ain't going nowhere, but sometimes you gotta check them. Like, fuck you doing out the basement. 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 I deserve a mental health decade. You might catch me sleep on this jet plane. Everybody here forgot they manners. But if I up and lose mine, it's gon' matter. Niggas ask me goofy shit like some, but your end game. Articulate my freedom papers, hoe, you know my pen game. This ain't on no useless drama, baby, this defiance. Keep playing in my face and you gon' make me shift to violence. Okay, you got me duh, I used to be your ball of chaos. But what is your excuse? Cause you ain't growing, your shit way off. Check your circle, check your pH, you can't check me. Anything you said, I said worse, I'm crazy messy. Fuck anxiety and fuck them voices that make you doubt shit. I'm beautiful, nigga, I can't do nothing about it. Fight my demons every single day, it ain't nothing around it. I keep the bitches low too. Remember what I told you, stay low. All of my niggas been traumatized. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking How are we feeling about that? The season of Psalm is upon us. <laughs> the season of Psalm is upon us, absolutely. Um, yeah, I like that. At first I was like, was that on Issa Rae's rap shit? Um, and if it if it was, if it wasn't, I'm shocked that it, it would not make it. Like that, that is a, uh, um, yeah, that is a good vibe. It's a good track, right? It's a yeah, good. It's a, it's a really like, good vibe. It, it's yeah. You know, you mentioned like the the bling lifestyle rap, and uh, I, I and I, I this is very hypocritical of me. I wish I could say that I don't abide that in like rock stuff. 
but I I, I listen <laughs> right. to Poco and Badfinger. So, <laughs> which is all fair, like fair. like Poco has at least four songs on an album that are about being in a band. So, <laughs> right. um, but it is uh, refreshing when you, when you have stuff like that and and stuff that actually comes out and says stuff and not uh, it feels like kind of effortless. Which that's what that felt like to me. It felt effortless. It felt direct, um, and and honest. And that that H word is hard to, you know, you, you can call it honest, authentic, or whatever. But you, you know what? When you hear it, yeah, yeah. And I think there's, you know, she's she she's really interested in sort of expanding kind of modes of hip hop and making sure that kids can listen to things other than. I think she was calling out maybe a cheap key for someone mm-hmm. in an interview and just sort of saying that's you know that's why kids kids rap that way because that's what they hear right so right um so if you can bring you know chops like that to a track that that's a that's a hard hard track but ultimately about keeping your demons in check and telling them to get the fuck in the basement yeah. right no name had that um, too yeah um, yeah from from chicago and um and then i don't know i guess she's back I think she played pitchfork she did i've not been up on it but i saw her name popping up on a couple of festival things or i saw yeah that would be good if yeah. she came back. That was it's a well. It'd be a welcome return. Be a welcome yeah, there's some great albums. Yeah, I'll be checking that out. I did. You know, that was another thing I didn't do, do during break was check out pitches. Um, <laughs> yeah, did not check the email, but um, good for you, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. Sometimes you just gotta go lay in the grass and talk to the monies or whatnot. Uh, that's rad. <laughs> and that, so that's that is out now. Um, so I'm gonna think I'm gonna get that. Because I want to see what else this is about. Yeah, then, I've I've spent a couple of days kind of going into her discography. She's, she's recorded under a few different names, mm-hmm. but it's it's been uniformly. You know, I, I I feel the way about you know the the way I feel about like Rhapsody's Eve record is the way I've I've felt about um what I've what I've heard from Psalm One. So highly recommend. The test pressing is still available on Bandcamp if anyone is a test pressing collector. Hmm. Are you a test pressing collector? No, I have two, and that's enough. I have a half-speed copy of Green. And it was sold as a half-speed huh. copy of Green, but it's like, it means that it runs at like, half, it's, sorry, it's three-quarter speed. So it, sound, oh. it sounds very odd. I'll play it for you next time. Yeah, the walk. yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotta hear that. I didn't know it was that when I bought it. Just, buy, <laughs> just kids, like, the, the colored vinyl is fine, all the splashy stuff, but, you know, black vinyl is, you know, you just, it's, it's all there. It's all there. Yeah. No, no, no worries. Um, that's great. So I'm going to go a very different direction um, for a couple of reasons. And this is actually a little more mainstream than I would have necessarily liked to. But I really like this album. It is uh, Rich Ruth. I survived. It's over. Um, it's getting a lot of press lately. He is a Nashville uh, session musician. He is on uh, Third Man Records. Um, so Third Man is doing ambient now uh and electronic music which is i mean that's great like the more people they can get into this type of stuff um and also what i'm finding out like making music myself is that uh a lot of people just do this stuff (laughs) who make music you know they just because it's fun it's like i'm I'm literally work i was working on it before the show and i'm working on it after like a track i'm putting out tomorrow and you just create these whole little worlds you don't need all the, you don't need permission. You don't need a singer. You don't have to deal with egos. You just, um, you know, make a, make a little statement. Um, so I was drawn to that because of this. Uh, and, and when you go into listening to ambient music, it is, 
there's a joke about like somebody's just pressing one key for 40 minutes, you know, for 40 minutes. That's a danger. I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. be one of those guys and be like, no, it's really sophisticated. It's not all sophisticated, um, but this is. Um, and he he pulled from just I think some th- there's some jazz leanings in this. It's definitely not a jazz record, um, and it was inspired by uh, his Nashville when it got hit by the tornadoes. His neighborhood was one on one. They got hit. Um, he got held up at gunpoint just outside of his home, um, and then the mm. pandemic. Just a lot of trauma um, that he felt and he had to deal with, and that's that's how this came out. He used making this as like a daily medication. Uh, not, well, medication, but meditation as well. And um, the results are uh, not, I don't know, it's not what I expected. Maybe it's not what you're going to, have you heard this? I have not. I'm excited to hear. Oh it. shit! Okay, well, yeah, I, I'm yeah. just gonna play it. Um, the name of this track is uh, "Desensitization." Uh, can't even talk with this thing. Desensitization and reprocessing. Desensitization and reprocessing. Um, this is Rich Ruth off of "I Survived." It's over.
How does that make you feel? Wow, that was really, that was incredible. Um, there's something that I always look for in this sort of, you know, ambient, whatever we're going to call it, um, experimental, uh, genreless instrumental music, um, which is that are you able to, you know, how does the sort of the thing that you think of as being the melodic core of the song shift as you're listening to it? Right. And there's usually this period of like addition and then subtraction, right? Where the sort of layers are being added onto it. And, you know, one of the things that's really fun about a recording like that on headphones is being able to sort of check in with the various different pieces of the song as it goes on to say, okay, is that still doing the thing it was doing before? Um, and when those horns come in in the middle, it really, really changes the just the whole it's it's just it right. feels like a sort of you know suddenly everything goes from being like you know 2d to 3d or something it's a really <laughs> really interesting um touch there i love that i'm 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 for sure ordering this the, record the the wild things you can do with just music like you yeah. don't have to i actually um i listened to that uh, for the first time i heard, i heard it once rusty uh, shared it with me not that track. Um, the first track is uh, more guitar-driven. Heard the rest of the album about a week after I put out uh, My Name Was Gus, and I was like, I'm like, oh, this guy yeah. did this a lot better than me. <laughs> and I was and I was very happy about that. I was yeah, very happy yeah. about that. He, you know, yeah, you can, when you, um, it, it's hard for me to talk about this kind of music now like making similar stuff but it is about what you said it's about shifting the focus and and addition and subtraction and understanding it's 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 just like a feeling um you you don't get you don't get the cheat of vocals you don't get the cheat of lyrics like you have to keep people uh engaged or or take them down like you know, that um, could have gone on like that for another 10 minutes easily. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, so I mean, what I found fascinating about that, about his record, is he tells you what it's about r- right up front. Um, yeah. But that's just like the press release. Like you can you can feel much like you said, the, the authenticity in the last track, you know, there's something, there's a way to do it where you can feel like the emotion in it, what somebody's putting into it. Um, I'm drawn to more, I find that track devastating. I'm drawn to more devastating stuff. That's, that's just, yeah. Um, the whole album isn't devastating. Uh, other thing I, I love about it is like, it sounds like stuff like, uh, if you like that, find Joaquin Cooter's material now. Like, go out and get Joaquin Cooter's records now. Go out and get Carlos Nino's records now yeah international anthem and go out and get jason mullinax's records now i was i you know it's funny you say that i was thinking about jason mullinax when that track started i thought this is this is sort of in that same for people who don't know we had a giant house that was our hq in washington dc that we rented yeah with a seasonal indoor pool and uh (laughs) and, and at some point uh my partner she worked nonstop. i mean it was just you know 15 hour days for like years. Um, and she decided, well, well, we'll get somebody to come in and clean the house once in a while. 
And it was Jason. And and he's he's just this great dude. And I worked from home and it was just like we could we just hung out, got to know him. He's a great dude, a remarkable musician. Um, I think he's left DC now. I think he's back in North Carolina. Uh, but he's got some albums coming out uh soon that maybe we'll have him on to talk about because um he's not only like making music like this, but he he makes his own instruments and he like teaches. So yeah, that's right. that's an right. instrument you hear on his record, he's going to teach a kid how to make that instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's funny that you say that. I was, I, yeah. Um, I, I definitely hear the, the, uh, the kind of the Molinax, um, you know, the genotype, you know, they share a genotype. Yeah. 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 It's good. Wow. It's, it's great stuff. Awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, so that's out that's... on uh, third man records right now uh i got my copy already um so i don't think they're gonna run out third man tends to press them out (laughs) um so we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back uh we're gonna talk about the man of the hour mr sonny stitt If I told you that the name of that track was Satan, I don't think you'd believe me. Uh, but it does not sound like Satan. <laughs> I agree. That is one uh, Edward Hammond Boatner Jr. I don't think we got to that last time, but uh, otherwise we known as not. Sonny Stitt professionally. Yeah. Um, he was, as we said earlier, one of the most prolific American jazz saxophonists of all time. Played on hundreds of recordings Played with Miles Davis briefly, not on a record though, just in a live set, which I can't even like. I can't imagine that dynamic. Yeah, it was it was it was like nineteen sixty or sixty one, right? So yeah, that was a sort of a transitional period for Miles. He hadn't you know landed his second his sixties quintet yet, or right. maybe he was touring so much that bring you know Coltrane on the road or something, but. Um, this this album is on Cadet Records, which is a uh, it began as Argo Records, a famous like jazz label. 
Um, and there's just if if you come to my house, there's a Sonny Stitt section now. Um, <laughs> and the great thing about Sonny Stitt Records, first of all, is he sells the records, right? He he's on the cover of most of them. Yeah. And yeah. this one, he's it's like flames, and he's like smoking a cigarette and looking at you coyly, and just a Satan is like okay. Uh, but if you as you dig into the record past that track, you realize, like, is this a commentary on the industry itself? Because we're going to listen to some of these, but you've got Crazy Mixed Up World, Will You Love mm-hmm. Me Tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, It Might As Well Be Spring by Rodgers and Hammerstein. You know, one thing he was really great at was paying the bills Yeah, by just, like, making these albums of not even standards. He created, like, this whole, like, just catalog of standards. Just be like, hasn't been done in jazz? Fuck it. We're doing it. <laughs> We're going to make an album. And people let him. And I want to explore that and see if we can go with <laughs> Why? If people did not love this guy, because I think they did, but if they didn't, like, why did they keep letting him, like, do this? I think he moved. I think he moved units. I think he moved product. And That's I think it. he was, you know, I, I think what's what's interesting about him is that, you know, he's not going to show up in any he's not going to show up. If you're telling the history of jazz as an art form, someone like Stitt is not going to show up in the same way that I don't know that. um Oh, um uh, like. Uh, the doubles hitter on a baseball team is never going to show up right. as the right. Those are just the people who show up every day and, and, and do work. And so, you know, Stitt wasn't a restless and tortured genius determined never to repeat himself. He wasn't on a quest for artistic truth necessarily. Right. He wasn't sort of trying this. to say, I'm going to break, <laughs> I'm going to break music and yeah. find a new thing in here. Right. That that wasn't his, you know, uh, that that wasn't what he was doing. He was he was responding to the demands of the marketplace. He had incredible technique. Right. His phrasing, his voicing is just such a skilled player. And I think he was very good at reading what, you know, the sort of trends in the marketplace and figuring out, okay, how do I make a niche for myself here? How do I how do I put something out that'll and 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 what's interesting is that contrary to like a West Montgomery or something where it feels like, you know, when you get into the strings and some of the schmaltzier stuff that he does, it feels like the West Montgomery disappears or he's just sort of, you know, performing in this, in this very sort of sad forced way. This feels like Stitt, you know, I mean, I mean, a Sonny Stitt record is a Sonny Stitt record. Damn right Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but, but it's also like a very astutely crafted product that's, that was designed to, align well with you know with what uh jazz listeners and music purchasers at the time wanted so you do a carol king cover right i mean everyone else was doing um it's too late baby which uh which there are some great soul jazz versions of that but will you love me tomorrow sounds really really nice here and i didn't know the song was on this the first time i listened to it yeah and i heard that line and i immediately this is stitt's gift i immediately was like oh this is a carol king song this is this is will you love me tomorrow and you know that from the opening uh, phrase, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. Hey, actually, let's play a little bit of that because it's it's fucking. It, and then we'll come back. I want to talk about the S word, schmaltz. But yeah, uh, but, yeah, yeah. But, he, but 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 check this out, man. <laughs> Will you 
That is that is so out of place. <laughs> Everything. Like I I can't imagine a point where you would put that on, and now I can't not put it on. Like yeah, once you hear yeah. it, you're like, well, that's clearly how that's supposed to be. You know, um, <laughs> I you know before we talk about the small thing, do you think <laughs> you think Sonny Stitt basically like sat down had a business meeting with his manager and said, you know, jazz is a tough industry. You're always pushing the envelope. What if we just made jazz for white people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like this came out. Yeah. <laughs> But this came out in like 70, 70 something. And like, <laughs> there's nobody seriously buying jazz had like buying this album, but it most definitely is in like the Mad Men condo. Like, darling, I have the newest Sunny Stit. Like, <laughs> just. Well, this is, this is something you get too. Um, and, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a thing we've definitely talked about where if you're, a working touring musician, you need certain songs in your set list. You need to be able to build a set list for a show that people are going to respond to. And that's why, you know, soul and funk bands rely heavily on covers because they need something that people will know that they can hold on to so that you can then go and sort of do your style over it. Right. right essentially. Right. And, um, and I think the familiarity of that song really makes it, you know, when you hear that or when you hear it might as well be spring, you're immediately like, oh, now I can compare Stitt very cleanly to other saxophone players. And on, you know, on Will You Love Me Tomorrow, I hear I hear Ben Webster in that. I hear Charles McPherson. I hear, you know, the way he rides those phrases in between the lines, like he is so lyrically gifted and plays with such feeling. And, you know, it's just it's just not again, he wasn't going to be you know, playing a show at Antibes with with Mingus and Ted Curson and sort right. of, you know, blowing a hole in the space time continuum. Um, but he was making this. And this is, again, you, you know, you 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 on paper, you don't think you need it. And then you hear it and you think, oh, no, that's that's in fact exactly what I need. I feel like this is what that that is what drives my addiction to Sonny Stitt records is that I, I want to <laughs> find that record where he does. He just blows a hole in the universe. I mean, he's doing yeah. it. He is doing it like this is like. This is kind of like the the you know he who should not be named like that should that which should not be played, and then he yeah. just did it, and that type <laughs> of thing is like this is a lesson for like younger musicians and people out there. You know, you, you don't want to do like everybody understands the urge to like break the mold or like push against the boundaries or whatever, but somebody is going to do it right down the middle, and do it right. Yeah. And if you can do it, get that money. Like, yeah. just get that money right there. Just don't, you know, don't look back. Just be like, I did it. It's fine. You know? And then because it's like the film thing. It's like one for me, one for them, one for me, one for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Like, like, there is no shame in playing music that people uh, are attracted to. People of questionable taste. <laughs> Like, like me <laughs> and you, apparently, you know, I, uh, but, but for the Schmaltz thing, I don't, I, I know in 2022 and I know even like growing up, like, so in the eighties and you in the nineties, you know, that, that had a specific like meaning, but I, I think it might be because we were removed like far enough removed from the age of 
of like swing and big band and classical and stuff like that. And that's something that like a lot of like definitely nobody born past 2000 like understands. Um, you know, this this is this was there was a radical evolution of music. You know, you had classical and then you had big band, then you had swing and then and everyone was like rock and roll. You know, it was like swing was like, oh, my God, you know, they're, that's sex music. Yeah. You can't you can't do that. That's evil. Um, they made a whole yeah. fucking dirty dancing, like same same thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and and if you look at it in that context, it's almost uh, this is like a time capsule of here he is. He died in 1982, and as he gets toward the end of his life, the the records that are just covers just pick up, and he keeps doing more and more and more of them. And then after that, though, nobody is nobody is doing this stuff. Like it's just going to be gone. Um. And yeah, have, it, it, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there, that, that was also a time when sessions were, you know, not exactly disposable, but you had a working machine mm-hmm. and part yep. of what that machine hated was having downtime and there aren't enough Miles Davises or whoever else to go around. Right. So you've got, you've got this whole thing set up and if someone wants to come in and knock out this record in you know, with like three takes a song and they come in at 10 a.m. and they're done by four, uh, you would take that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ron um, Carter is on this album. He is. Ron Rich, Carter. Rich Davis. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Ron Ron Carter. Um, Ron Carter, who I'm, who I'm regrettably not going to be able to see this weekend, even though he's playing DC Jazz Festival. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, no, this is... This is um, you know, I think I think that's an example, too, of of where, uh, you know, bluegrass went through a phase like this, I think, too, where it was just sort of yeah. like, um, you know, it was just very easy for gifted virtuosic musicians to go into a studio and sort of quickly figure out, all right, how are we going to do this? We're going to do it this way. All right, go. Right. And it was two takes. And at the end of it, you had 40 some minutes of music and uh, product to put on the shelf. And you know, there's something, you know, I, I, I do miss that. Like there's an, there's an honesty about music being made like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as just sort of, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, a gig is a gig, right? <laughs> like we yeah. call a job a gig, right? So, so that's literally just like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I blow a good horn. Um, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do this real quick and, um, I'll meet you for dinner later. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely like, if you look at the modern system in terms of that and how those conditions where this was made, it kind of like, why would anybody make a record like they're doing now? You know, there, there yeah. are people who, who like, you know, I know the uh, Betty's like the, the glow Sylvanessa crew, uh, where the yeah. mountain goats record was made. Um, okay. in like a week, I think, yeah. Um, Jeez. you know, that are that are getting hip to that. So like they can like build a, a sort of ecosystem where people can just roll through and they keep those they keep the and it doesn't have to be like a big studio, it doesn't have to be a big thing. You don't go in there like Guns N' Roses and spend like six months in a studio. You go in there and you just knock it out. And, like get yeah, it and it's get not it. precious at all. Yeah, right? not precious at all. Get it and get yeah. it out the door. Um, who do you think is doing this today in twenty twenty two? If anybody. You know, it may be a complete like inversion of the kind of social, economic, uh, racial dynamics almost. But I think there are a lot of kind of sort of lo-fi synth pop bedroom artists that are that are 
that are doing covers. I'm thinking of like um, Chet Faker's cover of No Diggity. Right, um, right, right. I'm thinking of um, who was it? Grouper, I think, does a cover of uh, maybe Juicy by Biggie or something like that. Um, and it's a total inversion of the dynamic because it's a white art- artist covering an artist of color, but it's sort of taking very uh, commercially successful hip hop and running it through that sort of lo-fi, you know, indie gazy aesthetic yeah. that has a little bit of soul, but is clearly designed to attract people to those artists so that they can get the rest of their catalog out in front of them. Right. Those are clearly, uh, yeah, the sort of calling cards in the same way that, um, uh, you know, in the same way that the gourds covering gin and juice, uh, you know, owned Napster for like three years. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Wasn't fish. So I, th- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, I think, I think that might be the closest analog that I can think of to it. And I do think there are, you know, really good working R and B and soul bands. I think, um, you know, I think, frankly, if you if you listen to like Harry Styles's band or Dua Lipa's band, yeah. like those are well oiled soul bands that would have been right at home backing Teddy Prendergrass in the 70s. You know, yeah. uh, and that's and so Harry it makes Styles, me very happy to see Harry that Styles happening. specifically. Like he, he's got a special on uh, Apple Music and I think it's on Apple Music. It's a live concert. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, look, the guy does not have dance moves. That surprised me. Like he has, he has like yeah. three moves. He does them over and over, but it doesn't matter um, because it's still like he puts on like a hell of a show, and that band is tight. Yeah, yeah. that band they is really super are. tight, and, and the set they, isn't big. Like that's there, there's nowhere for people to hide. You know, it's not. Um, yeah, and that was actually really refreshing to see. And that you know, I like that theory, and and that tracks with, you know, if he was going back twenty or thirty years, his kids are going back twenty years. Or so, you know, right. they're not going to reach yeah. back to like these standards or stuff. They're, they're going to reach back to like what they grew up on or, yeah. you know, just before they were born. Um, so, I mean, that still leaves a lot of stuff in the past. You know, you could, you talk about like small two people. People think like, have, have you seen the Kenny G documentary? I have not seen that yet. I need oh to God. see it. Yeah. I really need to. You really yeah. need to see it because he he's a fascinating case study in this because he is like just an amazing player yeah and he has this technology side to his music brain he can't just play though he has to pair the technology and that's where you get the 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 sound of him you know there's a there's a scene in the movie where he he sits down and breaks it down he's like look i dial in my sound I sound like this normal. And you're like, what the, f-? And he's amazing. But you're just like, what the fuck? And then he plays it through the, the rack and everything. And it sounds like Kenny G. And I know people like saw that and were like, Oh, I don't know. Why does he do that? And why does he do that? It's like, because that gave him a career. Yeah. Like he discovered that that's what people wanted and did it. And now he can do whatever he wants. There's, I, I don't want to make a bet, but I probably would. That there's like some sick, like brain melting jazz in the Kenny G vaults. I hope they're. I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're like, right. Someday he's yeah. gonna pass, and they're just gonna be like, "Oh, by the way, we found all this material." Like, yeah, yeah. Pat Pat Metheny stopped by, and we just you right. know re- <laughs> we we like rewrote "Bitches Brew" on the fly. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
yeah, I think, um, yeah. So, so I mean, I guess to the question of Smaltz, like, you know, it's what you like. If it makes you feel good, yeah. it doesn't have to be Smaltzy. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and I and I use that word more as a catch-all of just mm-hmm. like there is sort of a vibe here. That's that's a that's a specific vibe. I I think that I think that people younger than us might might not hear it the same way because for us those kinds of synths have a very specific connotation that goes back to '80s music, and then much of what happened in the '90s was trying to get away from that sound. Right, it was like a repudiation of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And now we've circled all the way back through where we're sort of living in, you know, permanent late 70s, early 80s, and also 90s at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of taxing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, yeah, let's play another song um, before we get out of here. Uh, I want to play this because the arrangements are tight. A crazy mixed up world. And um, man, this guy just kills When the orchestration comes in, um, at first you're like, "Is this something from Blade Runner?" Evangelist. Yeah, but then the orchestration comes in, and it. Um, and I think one thing we're, we're going to be exploring this season is like, what actually is a song? I still think it's weird that people communicate in in definitely in singing, but like as far as like even in music, like how it's even possible. You yeah. you can get what somebody feels off that, but like, if that didn't make you feel something and and something like good, uh, we're very different people, you know. I, yeah. But I don't I don't think you need anything from it. You know, you don't, you know, even like the Will You Love Me Tomorrow. It's yeah, it's different from the original and stuff. But then, what does that mean? The original is. Um, right. So uh, I don't know that I have an answer to that, to that question, other than to say that, you know, I think it, 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 it works to the extent that 
I mean, I mean, you don't have to know the original to respond to it, but it works. To, it works better if you do. And it it. I think what it does is it maybe sets that performance up as um, something that stimulates your mind a little bit because now you feel like what you're hearing is in dialogue with what you know, right? And so your brain is listening for where does it track, where does it depart, how are they going to, right? Um, Interesting. But But I also think that there's something to be said for you know, to sort of paraphrase the, the, the Mo Better Blues, like, uh, sample that shows up on the, on, um, on Things Fall Apart by the Roots. I mean, you grandiose motherfuckers don't play shit that people want to hear, right? That's the, like, like, and, and, and say what you will about Stitt. He was playing things that people wanted to hear. And that's, and that's the first, the first part of being heard (laughs) by an audience is playing music that they want to hear. Right. No, that, that that's that's real, and I think that's that's the you know as we come out of the pandemic and live music comes back and you know the record industry is, continues to change, um, you know pop survived pretty well, you know so now it's a little even more uneven playing field, or and, and even isn't the right part. Like somebody, some of the Kara Styles is just going to sell more records than you. Yeah. listening to this um, and um and that's fine no that is that is the way of the world but yeah i think uh you know finding a balance between the two and maybe understanding that you don't have to necessarily like you don't have to be defined by even like a project you know that, that you're working on, like you. You just don't have to. With music, you don't have to stop locking yourself in a box. You know, unless it's making money for you. Like Stitt probably yeah. had to do this. <laughs> like they're like, come yeah. on, man. Like we get, we need another record. Like the ledger is looking a little on the red. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's like, do you want, do you want it by Tuesday? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, there's no reason to do it. And and listeners, be more open to that. You know, uh, a good example: Sarah Shook, who is alt country, just put out like a synth pop record or a synth oh. rock record. Um, and I'm not, I'm not gonna like assess the quality of it or anything. I'm just saying like. Give it a listen if you know her music. Yeah. It came from the same person. Like, she's not just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to like it and it's okay not to like it. Too. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, like there's just such this, We, you know, we develop, there's such a pressure around, you know, on the artist to sort of have every work be this like tortured personal thing mm. that like was a struggle to pull out of me, but now I've salvaged it and it's here for your listening pleasure. But, but, you know, a big part of, a big part of what people want to hear is, is music that, that they enjoy. And I think that we sort of get caught up in all these sort of, I'll use the word parasocial again, this idea of just like having to have a relationship with that artist and wanting to be, to understand the place that they are in their lives. And, and some of that's the machine, some of that's the publicity, but just in general, like it's really refreshing when when artists can be less precious about recorded yeah. music and and just and just be overt about the fact that hey i made something that i hope you'll enjoy listening to 
Yeah, and and to to that point, actually, uh, PR reps um, really need to like internalize that. I'm getting like books about people for for a a, a minor album, and, and look, I get you're a good writer if you're a PR person. I hope you are, but like that doesn't sell it. Like it, yeah. if I have to read more than like a paragraph, if anybody has to read more than a paragraph, and it isn't like a direct interview with the person. Like you're you've you've lost it. You you can't you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, it's like the old thing dancing about architecture. You know, it's it's just right, right. Uh, and and I see more and more and more and more of that, and they all just go like in the junk folder because like, yeah. I can't like you know, and I feel bad because like there are people that like really, and now there you see people like doing their own. That's how you sell stuff, and you, it it takes a lot especially after a pandemic to like forge a connection with a person. And yeah. if you're thinking that because you went through something that you have that connection, it's not necessarily the case maybe, but I, I don't know that audience will sustain you. I hope it does. Yeah. I hope it does, but I, I don't know that it, it will. Um, now we're getting back in the business talk. We shouldn't do that. I know. <laughs> it's hard it's hard to stay away from it. It is. Well, it's because we've been away from the mic yeah. for so long. Next next one there'll be no That's business right. talk. How about that? Just straight up straight up music. Straight up music, but we had to, you know. Yeah. We had to like see where we are and uh and then see where we're going. I think um you weren't around when we did Rocktober. And I, I was not. And I, think I was not. We'll do that again this year in show Ooh. form but i'm not sure quite what it was it'll be it might be something like you, you, you want to talk partner right <laughs> yes right? i do want i do i do i do i really do i think yeah. um well let's have it here yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I mean what what if we did an exploration of classic rock like the whole history of classic rock with partner like a multi-episode arc yeah yeah okay yeah yeah okay yeah I, I have questions Cots. i have questions yeah. as as a guitar player who can't play a goddamn classic rock lick to save my life how do you lock in on that yeah like how do you lock in how do you personally? become how do you become kiss right i right. think that's the conversation <laughs> we can have with partner <laughs> it's just how did you become kiss yeah yeah um so that's maybe something we'll do um but yeah. um alabaster de plume Currently, we we pinged him. He's ignoring us, but he's busy. It's fine. Yeah, uh, but yeah. You know, we got a, we got a couple on the list that we want to talk to. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. but yeah. So and we don't have that many episodes. I do kind of like this yeah. too. It's only like eight episodes. Yeah, tight and focused. Yeah. So unless we go to yeah. weekly, and then that means we have a lot of. Um, before we get out of here, uh, that that's Sunny Stit, folks. Satan. Um, it's been out for longer than most of you have been alive. So, <laughs> so look, just go get it. Um, if you go to Bullseye, I don't know if he's going to have another copy of it, uh, but he will have a Sunny Stitt. Just grab one. You know, if you're yeah. in Milwaukee, just grab one. Um, check at HR Records and see how, mm -hmm. how they are up on the state. HR Records in Washington, D.C., see how, how they are up on the state. It's on streaming. Um, and then uh, if you see, we... We like comments, right? Yeah, we love comments. Questions, comments. So if you have comments yeah. or questions, you can email 
either of us. Uh, it's Kevin at ChunkyGlasses.com or Eduardo at ChunkyGlasses.com. Um, or just hit us up on Twitter. We're, we're out there. Um, and, uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm avoiding talking about a shitty thing right now. I know, I know. Uh, we talked a lot about jazz and um, International Anthem has been like a lifesaver for the the entire genre i think and one of the biggest parts of that was a trumpet trumpet player isn't even putting it right like she was like way more than that jamie branch uh 38 years old um passed away uh while we were on break um her three albums uh, fly or die fly or die two fly or die live um i got to know her music when um, I f- can't remember why I was listening to it, but and this is before I knew Canada Acme, and I just like messaged him. I'm like, "Do you have this record, Flyer Dot Two? And he said, "Well, I've got my copy." And he's like, "But I'll, I'll get more." And then I come to find out, like, she played at Acme Records, which you've been at. I played this place, Sugar Maple, and um, it's hard to describe how talented she was and hard to describe how you know you you posted something about it's not for everyone uh and i i strongly disagree with that i i think it, it even her like studio recordings capture uh something about her soul uh, uh you know and the live was like you know that that's a given but um yeah, it's fucking tragic. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. You know, so if you don't if you don't know her music, um, go out and find it. We will have a bunch of links in the show notes. Uh, maybe we'll talk about an album later on uh, in the year. Uh, in the meantime, we're just gonna play us track on the way out. But uh, really, uh, gone. It's just way when you have good people like that who are like so hyper talented it, it uh yeah it's absolutely tragic yeah yeah so little little dark spot on uh on music history that uh but we do have her records and um people will continue to discover them and and uh have their minds blown and if you got to see her you're yeah lucky that you did so yeah. alright here's some Jamie Branch we'll talk to you soon mm-hmm.